Uh, I just wanted to amend a statement that I said during my last sermon. As I told you that a friend of mine had spent over 180 days on a submarine below the surface. It was, in fact, just over 80 days. Does not negate the fact that most of that time he was under the surface. A cut on his hand had not begun to heal until he stepped out in the sunlight after 83 days. And the adage is still true. And when you step into the sun, when you're in the presence of the sun, healing can begin. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, because you're visiting here, our church has a YouTube channel and all of our sermons are on there. (laughs) Or should I say most of them for the past couple of years are on there. And uh, no, we don't make a dime from it. They're not monetized. But if you want to, you can go on there and subscribe. You'll get our daily devotionals that we do six days a week because what are we doing? Going through the Bible in five years. And then you can watch our sermons too, our past ones. And if you're out of town, you can enjoy the ones we're doing live or after the fact right there. I think it's cool that Pastor Jeremy is going to preach the last one over, over John. And one week, we are going to read about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension into heaven. And the following week, we are going to celebrate his birth. So I'm excited to see that. Good times are coming up. So I hope you all had a chance to read this week's uh, readings uh, in John chapters 16 and 17. Uh, To me, they seem like very short chapters, probably because a few days we had short sections to read. And it might seem that pickings are a little slim in coming up with a sermon topic, but lo and behold, I did it, and I think it's the largest one I've done yet that I've gotten up here to to preach. I've done larger, but I've had to revise those. Well, there is a plethora of information in 16 and 17, and most of the conversation was by Jesus. And when our Lord and Savior has something to say, we listen. So in chapter 16, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come, but that he must go away for it to happen. And so he tells uh, the disciples, he reminds them that the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth and that he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify Jesus. He also, we already read this last week, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth to who Jesus Christ is. And that was in uh, chapter 15, verse 26. And probably a few more times as we've been reading through the book of John. So Jesus continues in chapter 16 by telling the disciples that in a little while you will see me no more. And then in a little while you will see me. Now if one of you guys come up to me and said that, I think you're going on vacation. But that's not what Jesus meant. The disciples had already heard that he was going away, and they were extremely sorrowful over this. So they were saddened by the fact. Now Jesus tells them in verse 20 of 16 that the world will rejoice, but his disciples will be filled with sorrow, but that sorrow will be filled, will be turned to joy. Then in verse 22, he tells them that though they have sorrow, they will see him again, and their hearts will, be, will rejoice with a joy that nobody will ever take away. You see, at this point, we're going to pick up something about prayer that we still do to this very day. 
So join me in uh, the book of John, chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and he will give it to you. Now, taken out of context and understanding of what Christ is telling us, we might think that people would go around asking to win the lottery, asking to get out of a speeding ticket because they were doing wrong, or even to remove someone's power through any, from power through any means necessary. But we don't do that, do we? Yeah, that is sarcasm. We, we do it. We do it all the time. We ask for some silly things. Some of it's important to us. But as we grow and we mature in Christ, our prayers are stronger, and we ask for the proper things because our relationship with God is correct. You see, Jesus is our Savior. He's not a genie in a bottle who grants our every wish, as some of us, as some people might want to believe. Even atheists called God the magical fairy in the sky. If you have not heard that term, get on social media. They're everywhere. They mock Christians because they do not understand the depth of love that Jesus Christ had for us when he died on the cross. They do not understand the depth of love that God has for us, for all of us, including them, when he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. They do not understand that during judgment, Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is stated in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Romans chapter 14, verse 11. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, as well as this statement in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Don't you see that first part there and every creature. How awesome is it going to hear to be to hear dolphins praise the name of Jesus because that's the way I read that. We're creatures of habit. They're creatures that God designed and built. This, ladies and gentlemen, is in whose name we are to ask for things when we pray. It is not to be done lightly. This is the Lord and the creator of the universe that allows us to come to the Father through his name and ask for things. When we are in the will of God, we will receive it. Let's move on. John chapter 16, verses 26 through 28 is the first part. We're going to go all the way through 33 on this one. It says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world 
again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Now, Jesus here is saying that he's not going to pray for us, and that is he's not going to do it in our place. Quit being lazy. God wants to talk to you himself. He wants you to converse. So do that when you pray. Don't leave it up to Jesus to do. Now let's continue with this conversation. Verse 29. His disciples said to him, See now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need for that anyone should question, question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you in me that you may have peace in the world, that you may have peace. And in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That, ladies and gentlemen, is our Savior. He has overcome the world. Jesus leaves his disciples on that positive note with that statement, I have overcome the world. This is the same Jesus that atheists claim not to believe in, and yet they get angry at people who believe in God and who believe in Jesus because they shouldn't believe in him who created us. They don't get angry at people who believe in unicorns or heffalumps and woozles. But, they be, but believe in God and they get mad why are they so angry at someone believing in someone they say does not exist I think it's because deep down they know the truth perhaps this is part of the tribulation that Christ says we're going to go through because the world hated him they're going to hate us as well sometimes they don't even know why now that I've gotten through the introduction, let's get to the sermon. The title of today's sermon is called, How Then Shall We Pray? I hope you were able to read John chapters 16 and 17. Because that is where the sermon is coming from. Let's get started. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a fantastic model prayer that Christ has given us. 
No vain, repetitive stuff. No standing on the street corner. Praying out loud so people can see how holy you are because you will receive your reward right then and there and not later. God wants you to come to him in secret. He will reward you openly. So if you noticed in that verse, verse 8, God already knows what you need before you ask him. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray. God knows, but you need to acknowledge that you need as well. Now let's get back to the section we read during the week, John chapter 16 and 17. But first, turn with me to John 18, verse 1. And this is important as something we need to see. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there is a garden which he and his disciples entered. If I didn't know better, I would think I'm avoiding getting to the sermon. But trust me, this is important to understand. In this verse, we see that Jesus and his disciples went over the brook Kidron, where there is a garden. If you read 18, verse 1, as we just did, if you get to verse 2, Judas is already there. We know from our previous readings that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. So what we're going to go through today is before that point. I have a map. (laughs) Let me know when it's there. There it is. All right. Hopefully this works. Now, right up here is the upper room. And what we're going to do is do number one here, this line number one. That's where we're at. All the other lines are where Jesus goes. He's arrested and comes back through trial to Golgotha at the end. So right here in the upper room is where we're at. Jesus, during this prayer that we're fixing to read in chapter 17, starts right here. And I don't know if he does all of it there or if he's talking to the disciples on the way because this is the middle of verse Uh, chapter 13 all the way through 17 where he starts here when Judas leaves and then verse 18 chapter chapter 18 verse 1 he's right here crossing the brook to go to Gethsemane these are the areas we're going to be in today it's important to understand that that uh, in this part uh, we see where Jesus is and this is after the last supper and these are the prayers that he's going to pray so without delay let's get to the book or to chapter 17 verse 1 through 5 Jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
And the first thing that Jesus does is he prays for himself. This is by not, not by any means a selfish prayer. He asks God to glorify him. And in turn, he glorifies God and has already done so. This is not a scratch my back and I'll scratch your kind of things. This is a genuine serving of the Son to the Father who came here on earth to do the will of the Father. And that is to provide us a way for salvation without sacrifice. You see, Jesus prays that people will see that Yahweh, his Father, is the one true God and that his Son, Jesus Christ, was sent by him. This is for the benefit of those who were there with him to be assured that beyond any reasonable doubt, that on any shadow of a doubt, that God is real and that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. This is the first point of the sermon. We can pray for ourselves. Jesus prayed for himself, so don't be afraid to ask for prayers for yourself. I've had people tell me in the past, when I asked them if they had any prayer requests, well, I don't want to be selfish, but can you pray for me? Jesus prayed for himself. It's not selfish to pray for yourself. We all have things we go through. If you are in need and you need help with prayer, ask for it. We are here for that. It's not selfish to ask for prayers for your problems that you may be facing. This was not the only prayer that Jesus prayed for himself. When they all went to Gethsemane, somewhere between verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 18, we have to go to the other three Gospels to see what happened. He went there, told his disciples to sit down. He's going to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. Now let's go to Matthew 26, verses 38 and 39 to see what he prayed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as you will. This prayer he prayed for himself three times. This account's also in Mark chapter 14, as well as Luke chapter 22. And in Luke's account, an angel from heaven comes down and gives him strength. And he prayed more earnestly, so much so that he sweat drops of blood. How much stress do you have to be under to sweat drops of blood? I hear it's a lot. I hear it's medically possible. It's been proven. This was not a walk in the park for Jesus. Or the garden, if you will. He was in great sorrow as to what was to come. Because he knew what was going to happen. So he prayed for himself. The book of Psalms is full of prayers. Personal prayers for oneself. And I think David wrote most of them. We all pray for ourselves, so do not think that it is selfish to ask others to pray for us. Jesus told the disciples in Luke 22 that they should pray that they do not fall into temptation. 
This is what was said during the model prayer that we read earlier in Matthew, in chapter 6. We should pray that we do not give into temptation and that we will have the protection of God to keep from falling into this trap. And that is why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Mark Hall of Casting Crowns explains the dangers of temptation in the song Slow Fade. I'm going to read to you, not saying I'm going to read to you the first stanza and the chorus. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It is the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Our temptation sometimes comes in little defeats that we have during the day or during the week. It's never fast. It can be. But it's not fast and in your face. The most dangerous ones are the ones that we fall a little bit every day. It can be tiny victories on the side of evil. And that once you have gone too far, by the end of it, you don't realize how you ended up down the wrong path and you're a long way down it. This is what happened to David when he took another man's wife and got her pregnant then had him killed to cover it up. It didn't happen overnight. This was not a 24-hour period that it happened. It was over a period of time. This was well thought out. He didn't realize the path he was taking until it was too late and it cost him the life of the child. We need to pray for protection from evil, from the evil one and from the temptations that are laid out. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If you have any of those, they can lead on a slippery slope to sin. This is the temptation I'm talking about. It's a slippery slope when you have bitterness or anger towards someone. And it can turn into hate, which Scripture tells us we are not to hate one another. This can lead to a greater sin. We can pray for others not to fall into temptation as well, just as Jesus did for his disciples, and that's point two. We can pray for others. Let's read about it. John chapter 17 Verses 6 through 19. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you. 
and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I kept, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Here Jesus prays for his disciples because he knows what lies ahead for them. He prays that they are protected from the evil one. As it says in verse 15. He also prays that they may have his joy fulfilled in them. Now understand this. Jesus prays that they would have his joy just before he goes and prays in the garden. While sweating drops of blood. Doesn't sound very joyous. But even though he was sorrowful in the garden. Jesus had joy because he knew That at the end of it all, he had overcome the world. He had defeated death and sin once and for all. The disciples would need his joy to overcome the tribulations they would face during their lifetime that would lead to all but one of them being martyred for their faith in Jesus. James told believers to count it as joy when we fall into various trials in James chapter 1. Do we always count it as joy in various trials? Or do we gripe and complain? One of the things we do in this church, if you do not know it yet, is we pray for others. After service today, we are having a healing prayer right back here in the prayer room. We will have elders up front who will pray for you. We have a men's group, prayer group, that meets here every Thursday morning at 6.30 in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. We have other men from other churches that join us in this. So it's not just Heights meeting here. We have other men from other churches that come here and pray with us. We have a prayer chain. If you're not on it, you can get on it. We have another congregation here with Amistad Christiana. That is a bilingual church that meets here at 5 o'clock on Sunday. Who also pray for us. And we pray for them. And we get together, both churches, for men's summits. Women's groups get together and pray for one another. Because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We love one another. 
because that is what we are called to do as believers, to love one another and to pray for one another. We can pray for others, and it is an honor and privilege to do so. One of, the, one of the things that some of us do here in the congregations when we go out to eat, we ask the server if they have any prayer requests. Many times it shocks them, but the more you go to the same place and the more you see the same servers, the more they're not shocked. But it's a beautiful thing when they invite you into their lives and tell you what your prayer request is. After one of our men's groups meeting, prayer meeting on Thursday morning, we went to a restaurant, and our server was exceedingly sorrowful. You could tell in his demeanor. Mike Hatchell was with us, and he asked him first. Now, I usually wait until the food gets there before I ask. Mike asked this guy just after we ser- after he took our orders. And the guy told us that his 13-year-old son was ill. And this illness is detrimental to him surviving to adulthood. And now we know why our server doesn't have his mind on the job. So we asked him to pray with us. And we held hands around the table... I believe it was Elliot, right, that prayed. One of the guys from another church that goes with us. He did the prayer for this young man who was sorrowful over what's going on with his son. This is not to brag about what we do. I don't want my reward here. This is to tell you that it's okay to look at your server when you're in a restaurant and say, do you have any prayer requests? Do you have something we can pray for? It can be easy to forget that those serving us are human as well and that God loves them too. And they have issues and problems just like we all do. And this sometimes affects their jobs. But once you get to know them, they're happy to see you when you come in. One young man I asked said, I don't do Christianity. Upon talking to him further, myself and another gentleman, um, he said that he had been in seminary, that he had read the Bible, and he turned away from it. So immediately, I knew what we needed to pray for. I don't do Christianity. Well, brother, I'm going to pray for you because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And I'm going to let him know that you need Jesus in your life. Because if you don't want to listen to me, you'll be goaded by the Holy Spirit. So hopefully what we do when we go out and we pray for others is we plant a seed If they don't do Christianity, we plant a seed that whoever hurt them in the past is not what we are about and not what Jesus Christ is about. It's a great thing to do to know someone when you're planting seeds of the gospel. Next point in Scripture that we read in 17 is that We can pray for future generations. Did you know Jesus prayed for us 2,000 years ago? 
And we believe he was died on the cross in 30 AD. 2,000 years ago was 2030. It's coming up. Let's read about that. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. See, it's right there. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one with us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory that you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared them to them in your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. That Jesus prayed for every future believer who would believe in him because of the testimonies and the teachings of the disciples. He didn't say that those who hear them, but through their word, and that can be spoken or written. It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus prayed that prayer, and over 1,920 years since John wrote it down. John wrote it around 75 years after the death of Christ. And here we are, all these years later, reading these words from the apostles, hearing sermons based on their word and their writings, and watching people come to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's powerful. This will happen until the return of Christ at the end of it all. How powerful are the prayers of Christ as well as the believers who pray for their children, grandchildren, for other people's children and grandchildren. Many of us here today are followers of Jesus Christ because our parents, our grandparents, and maybe even our great-grandparents prayed for us that we should know Jesus Christ. They prayed for us. They guided us. They showed us Jesus by the way they lived their lives for him. And through the Holy Spirit, we are still being prayed for us. Let's see that in Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever been so distraught, great sadness? You are crying, weeping, wailing, snotting all over the place. You can't put two words together. You ever been there? Yeah, me either. But if it were to happen, rest assured that the Holy Spirit will pray for you. It says so right there. 
But do not use this passage as a get out of praying free card. Don't be lazy. God wants to hear from you. He loves to hear from you. So in this book, we are reading for the men of God group that meets here on Saturday mornings at 7.30 in the youth room. Stuart Scott writes that the purpose of prayer is not to receive anything but strength from God, but to give confessions, praises, thanksgiving, and petitions to align our thinking with God's thinking and to express our dependence and trust in God. The strength that we receive from God can come from the form of boldness, courage, a peace that is beyond understanding, rest, and understanding of the scriptures, among other things that we receive. We are not to pray as hypocrites with vain repetitions or in public so that others may see us for our holiness. We are to pray in secret to God in the name of Jesus Christ because God loves us. And scriptures tells us that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17 where he says rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In Luke 18, 1 where he says then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. In Luke 21:36, where he says, Watch therefore and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And in Romans 12:12, 12, 12, Rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So not only are we to avoid being hypocritical when we pray, not to be vain and repetitions and to do so privately but we are called to pray continuously without stopping we can do this by praying for ourselves we can do this by praying for others and we can do this by praying for future generations as we have children in this church who have been born here since I came here and we pray for them Jesus prayed for future generations in John chapter 17. He gave us the example to follow in our own prayer life. So do not be ashamed to ask for prayers for yourself. Do not be afraid to ask for prayers from others. And always pray for our children and our grandchildren that they will come to follow Christ as well. Let's go ahead and stand. pray our most gracious heavenly father thank you that you hear our prayers thank you for your word that was given to us that we may see and understand how to pray in a way that honors and glorifies you in our lives we thank you and praise you for our salvation through jesus christ who has saved us from our sins through his sacrifice and father we ask that you will give us the opportunity to tell others of the gospel of christ and what he has done for us in our lives the courage and boldness to do so and the honor and privilege of showing others that your light shines through us. Grant us peace in our own lives so that we may always focus on you. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.